Hello everybody, this is Sean Cudahy, and I am here to introduce you to an awesome project that I call Know Our Leaders. I started this project for two reasons. The first one being, I thought it was an awesome opportunity for companies and treatment providers to really take their team members and really just be able to show them some gratitude for the hard work and sacrifices they make. And the second reason is I wanted the people who use the services of these treatment providers to be able to get to know on a personal level the people that A, are using their services or B, have family members that are using their services. And a huge motivation for me of doing this is because I have really been going around Western New York and working with a lot of treatment providers and I just find they're so amazing. 99.9% .9 of them are there because they want to help. They want to see people get better. I want people to get to know these personalities and these people. So in this episode of Know Our Leaders, I sat down with a team member from Horizon Health Services, and her name is Colleen Babcock. And Colleen is a parent and family support coordinator at Horizon Health. During my conversation with her, she talks about what motivated her to get into this field. She talks about how she started dog therapy in the Horizon Health calendar, which is still continuing to go on every year. And she also shares a lot of her knowledge that she picked up along the way, dealing with and living with her son who struggled with mental health and who struggled with substance use. So she's an incredible human being. If I got anything out of this, I will say, and I've never met her son, Chris, but I would say he is a lucky, lucky man to have this woman as a mother and a support system throughout his life. And as far as Horizon Health Services goes, they're really a company that seeks to provide hope and healing for individuals and their families that are dealing with mental health and substance use disorders. A key thing I wanna stress is mental health because a lot of people assume that they only deal with substance use disorders, but they provide plenty of mental health services as well. In my time that I spent with this company, they really embraced their role as industry leaders and patient advocates, knowing that the stakes have never been higher. And I think all of us know the stakes have never been higher. If you open a newspaper, if you're reading news articles online, if you're watching the television, you know the stakes are high right now. And you know that the diseases of mental illness and addiction impact families in every neighborhood, in every community, in every household. People are impacted by these diseases. Horizon Health, really they offer a person-centered care to help individuals and their families to really just achieve improved health. And that's including medical, psychiatric, counseling, and support services. In my time spent with them, I really have found that they know that effective treatment makes recovery from behavioral health disorders very possible. And most importantly, they know it provides hope. If there's one thing that we all need in this day and age, it is hope. If you'd like to find out more about Horizon Health and the services that they provide, you can call their admissions team. And the phone number for that is 716-831-1800. Or you can also go and check out their website, which is www.horizon-health.org. Once again, I sit down with Colleen Babcock. This is the Know Our Leaders Project. And please, please give this a listen. If you know anybody who has a family member that is struggling with a mental health disorder or a substance use disorder, have them listen to this episode because Colleen is extremely intelligent, extremely experienced in this area, and you can learn so much from her. I hope you enjoy this Room 9 production, Nor Leaders Project with Colleen Babcock, Horizon Health Services, and she is the Parent and Family Support Coordinator.
also, I'm a little photographer on the side. I do. That's uh, right. I've seen you with your camera at some of the events. Yeah. I do all the pictures that hang in the uh, the hallway at Horizon. Okay. And I did the pictures for the calendar, our awareness calendar that we have. Oh yeah. By the way, I got, I got gypped on that. The one calendar. Why? I had to sign a consent form. Oh yeah, because I used your picture. And my picture was like this big in the corner. <laughs> I thought I was gonna have a like the centerfold. Yeah. January. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I wanted to, um, I went, well, we, we created that calendar, my girlfriend and I, before I started working for Horizon, before any of this, when my, my son first went into treatment. You created the Horizon calendar before you started working here? Yeah, created okay. that calendar. Oh, that awesome. is Horizon's trade now because I was frustrated at the lack of resources that, that were available. Mm-hmm. You, you, could, you couldn't find them. You know, you couldn't look up addiction and find all these resources. If you did not know they existed previously, you were blind. So my girlfriend and I created the calendar has a tool to help families. And we did a fundraiser for Horizon before I even started working here. We raised $10,000 the first year we did that calendar. Oh, that's awesome. And then, as the story goes, shortly after I started to work for Horizon, and they've reproduced it every year we just update the resources and update the statistics and the information but it's in all the schools the colleges pass it out everywhere yeah that's awesome yeah that is a good tool what do you use to um edit your photos and stuff photoshop adobe yeah okay that's what i use to record well adobe audition but what i really like i've always loved taking pictures that's a passion of mine i have horses i have the golden retrievers Mm -hmm. i just like to be out taking pictures and i would spend a fortune on film because I, I am a little bit older than mm-hmm. you. Um, and the pictures would come hit back not up to par. Mm-hmm. So when digital came out, it was like, wow, this had is to be awesome. Huge. Yeah. yeah, it was. And I just love it. I do I do a lot of pictures for my friends and stuff. I'm, you know, I'll never make a living at it, but I enjoy doing it. I enjoy taking the pictures. It's certainly changed. Technology has changed. Oh, a my lot. gosh. That, that's for yeah. sure. My favorite are the the exposed lenses for like eight seconds or whatever, like the stars and stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love yeah. that. Yeah. Isn't it? Those are some of the most beautiful pictures. There's just pictures. so much you can do with oh, layers. It's crazy. Know? Yeah. No, it is. It's a whole new art form, just editing itself. Yeah, the, I love the it. The photos. Jack of many trades, master of none. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes two of us. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, Colleen Babcock, we're sitting down. This is the first... Know Our Leaders Project for Horizon Health. And I mean, I wanted to start doing this. The At least the thought sparked in my head because I'm like, people can give their employees, which I just read an article that we should stop using that old word employees and use team members. Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> but, you know, people can give their team members really some recognition like, hey, let's, you know, talk about yourself for a change instead of helping other people. Yeah. And then the, your clients of the company get to know a lot of the faces who are um, working, you know, working well, with their, nice. I their feel loved honored. ones. And yeah, it's so, I mean, I didn't choose you. It's been the, a good uh, year for me this year. You know, Ann and Christina, I think, um, I'm sure they talked to some people, but yeah, decided you'd be number one here. Well. So, but basically I wanted to do it too, is kind of just discuss how you got here, why you got here, what you're passionate about, you okay. know, and fun stuff like that. So I guess let's start with first, like what is your, you know, your role, your position? I am technically what's called a parent and family support coordinator. Okay. was, you know, a title that we just came up with out of, uh, uh, out of the blue. It wasn't a position that existed when, when I actually started. My beginning, I guess you could say, is quite unusual. I had a son 
many people know that went through Horizon Village, not once, but twice. And on my journey there, what I learned kind of like blew me away. It just knocked me off my feet. And I didn't think many people knew what was going on out there to begin with. And when my son graduated from the program, we'll call it graduated. How long ago was this? 2012. Okay. I approached Ann Constantino. Actually, I sent her an email and said, hey, can I take you out to lunch? And we met at Jack Astor's. I'll never forget that day. And I said, you know, you your program is amazing. Um, you do a great job for people who make it there, but who's out in the community helping family members get there? Because I had a really tough time. It was very difficult navigating treatment for my son, partly because he had a medical condition too, so I was trying to balance. Okay. But, you know, again, you and I talked a little bit in the beginning. You couldn't open a book and find help if you didn't know the name of the help. So she said, okay, just like that. Just like that, huh? Just like that. At that luncheon, she said, okay. And the next day, I was an employee of Horizon. And we kind of molded what this position was going to look like. But I had a vision of what I thought it should be. I was in the banking industry for 25 years in marketing and sales. So I had what I call a gift to be able to talk to people, to be able to be passionate about what I'm talking about. And I certainly was passionate about this subject because I lived it. It was lived experience. And I felt that people really needed to know. I believe, Sean, in my whole heart and soul, that early intervention gives you your best chance at long-term recovery. And, you know, you'll hear people say you can't make somebody want recovery. You can't, you know, want it more than they can. They have to want it themselves. Mm -hmm. And a part of me really believes that. But a part of me also believes as a parent, you have the ability to slow somebody down. And it's in those moments of clarity that things can change. If there's no clarity, you know, the risk of death is higher, the risk of jail, the risk of, of bad things happening to good people. Yeah, and it's so. it's not like I feel like we think so much things are deterministic in the sense that we don't have we can't have an effect on somebody's decision to want to do something. Exactly. And when you do something, especially as a parent, who else has more of a chance of affecting somebody in a way that they can get them to want to go get help, to want to change Absolutely. and sustain, be sustained in recovery. But how many parents get a manual? That's right. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. And I can tell you from my own personal experience, for years, I followed my heart. I did what my heart told me to do. You know, help my son. He'll overcome this. He'll rise above this. This is not going to be his life. And once the disease of addiction grabs hold, it, it never goes away. You know, I had, I was a healthier one. And I don't want to say it was totally healthy to begin with because there was a part of me that was sick too. I was obsessed with helping him. Well, that but becomes I, like an addiction in it itself. Does. Yeah. But... I was more capable of learning how to best support him than he was at the time of learning how to support himself. And once I started to do that, and there's a lot of fear in there. I had to do things that felt very uncomfortable Mm -hmm. to me as a parent. But I did it in baby steps, and I learned how to let go a little bit and take some steps back and assess accountability. And when I started to see results from him, I was like, aha, there's a method here. Mm -hmm. They know what they're talking about. This can work. The fear for family members is in that transition, in that time frame, bad things can happen. Yes, they can. Yeah. But bad things are definitely going to happen if no change. If nothing. Right. If you do nothing. So I I was willing to take that risk. And Christopher, 
you know, he fought tooth and nail treatment in the beginning, but there was a part of him that valued that family unity. He did not want to lose that, and he he took me serious. He knew I was serious. I love you. I'll do anything I can to help you, but if you choose that path, there's distance between us. And I, I think a part of him still valued that, but he was 19. I was going to just young. ask you, how old was he when all this kind of started? And so 19 years old, that 19 is... 19 when that happened, about 17 when the addiction started to progress. Okay. And he has a medical condition, too, so... As a parent, my natural or my first instinct was it was the tumors because he has two inoperable tumors in his brain. That's what's causing the issues. And that can affect things. Okay. Yeah. And and you know as well as I do, opiate addiction does not present like anything we've ever seen before. No. People yeah. can function. and But he was different. There were changes in him that were not right. I took him to doctors, and he was diagnosed as schizophrenic, bipolar, psychotic, borderline personality disorders. And, you know, I'm thinking as a parent, okay, we got answers. We got answers. Now we have an answer. We can move forward. But all of that was they were diagnosing symptoms of the addiction and not diagnosing the addiction. There was a time period where we really struggled with, you know, how do we help this kid? And um, it was a psychologist that actually said, you know, he needs to get into a treatment program. So that's what it t- finally somebody just said, he should probably be in treatment. Yeah, he she said he's going to die if he doesn't get into treatment. You know, he's abusing substances, he's poly substance use. So he's abusing substances he's getting on the street, he's abusing substances he's getting from his doctor. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, very rapid and by the time he was 19 he had overdosed twice and tried to hang himself because with that intense and addiction comes tremendous mental health issues. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And he was so despondent because he wanted to stop, but there's a part of him that, you know, he just couldn't. Yep. I I constantly tell people about that, that moment when I was walking back down to my girlfriend's house and just, I was crying because I did not want to go back in there and take stuff to pawn so I could go get drugs. Like I did not want to do it, but I was doing it. Yeah. And it was just, it's about, I don't know, I'd say 15 blocks from where I was staying at my parents at that time. And that whole walk was like stopping and going. Yeah. And it's it's insane. It's yeah, that's crazy too. It it is about survival. And I think uh, I'll share a little story with you that really changed the way that I felt about this with my son. As far as going from an, an understanding of what he was going through. Okay. When you're a parent that's dealing with substance use and abuse, it's a progression. So it doesn't, you know, start just like that. It kind of progresses to that point where things get really bad. But he had gone to Horizon Village for six months. He did very well the first time he went there. And then he went into a halfway house. And four months into the halfway house, he relapsed. So he was at my house on Saturday because every weekend he would come home and stay at the house. And he said, I'm going to a meeting and then I'm, I'm going to go to the mall with a friend. And I'm like, okay. Now he had had six months at Horizon Village, four months at the halfway house. He left my house a sober kid. He called me that night and he said, Mom, I screwed up. I don't want to go back there. And we had had an arrangement like many parents do. If you choose recovery, I will support you. If you choose use, you're on your own. Mm -hmm. You're going to suffer the consequences of your choice. But he was smart. And he called me and he called his counselor. And his counselor called me and said, Colleen, please go pick him up. I'll have a bed for him Monday morning. So I picked him up and I brought him home. In that 36 hours, 
It was like my son left, my loving kid, and came, like came back. I didn't even know him. He put the PlayStation down by the bridge. He, was, he just kept saying, please, just one more time, just one more time. I'm going into treatment Monday. I'll start over. And I'm like, Chris, you are fighting with the devil. You're fighting with the devil. Don't let him win. You can overcome this. And that was such a changing pattern in our lives because he did. He told my husband, he goes, I put the PlayStation down by the bridge. Please go get it. Don't let this start again. And he fought so hard to get past that 36 hours. But it is like that once you pick up that very first time, it just grabs hold of you. Mm-hmm. You go right back to that that place. It's There's no longer the progression. It's, it's instant. Uh, yep. yep. Yeah. You know, I saw how powerful that was, what a hold that it, it took on him. And it really kind of opened my heart to know he, yeah, I could see him working recovery, but there was something missing. You know, what's missing? I couldn't figure that out for him. No. And that's a bit, that's the most difficult part, especially I'm assuming being a parent, like you want to figure that oh, out for God, your kid. Yeah. Like, all right, what, what, what can I do? And you just can't. You're, I'm assuming you feel completely helpless. Well, you do because you you know, like I kind of know the answers, but he was 19 when he went into his first treatment program. And you know as well as I do, addiction can be a very lonely world to live in, mm-hmm. especially for a kid, because you do have to change people, places, and things. So you, as much as I wanted to take that journey for him, I couldn't. I had to accept that there was going to be risk and there was likely going to be relapse because he had to figure that path out of, well, I can drink because that wasn't my problem. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't have a problem with that. Or weed relaxes me. It helps me. You know, it relaxes my mind. So that's not my problem. But for Christopher, a drug is a drug is a drug. It all took him back to the same place. It was just, you know, that progression. When loneliness set in and he wanted to be with friends, he wanted to do things, he was very honest with me. I want you to know I'm going to have a drink, but I got this. Always, every time Sean he took him back, go right took back. him back. But I, I could say all I wanted, Chris. I don't think it's a good idea. You know, don't do that. And the more you say that, the more he's going to want to do yeah. it anyway. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't my journey, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So I just supported him as best as I could with the consequences of what those choices would be and where it would take him. Yeah, that's awesome. That Knock is a beautiful. <laughs> yeah, that's a beautiful story of how you got to. Uh, you know, what motivates you, what makes you passionate mm-hmm. about doing your job and what brings you into work and wakes you up every day. And that that's pretty powerful. I don't think it gets more powerful than that. For No. You know, and, what, it, you know, 12 years ago, I started this journey on with blinders trying to save my own son's life. And today I work with thousands of families and I see what works. Mm-hmm. Treatment providers, prevention providers, they all tell you what works because it works. Now, how you fill those things... You know, what is self-help? I mean, yeah, that's uh, very subjective. It? Yeah. Yeah. But it is a key in long-term recovery. It's that that constant reminder of, you know, where that drug takes you. For our family, I know that if my son picks up once, I'm no longer dealing with my son. So there's always a plan in place. We try to be proactive instead of reactive. Um, we talk about the fact that it's not if you're going to face challenges. And I'll say this to you, too. Mm-hmm. It's when. Yep. Because you will. You know, the loss of a parent, the breakup of a relationship, very stressful things in your life are going to be triggering moments and can lead to relapse. If you don't have a plan in place, if you don't accept that that's a possibility and have that plan in place, 
to be able to, you know, what's your support system? Who do you have to go to? Who's supporting you? Who's going to recognize that those are tough moments for you? And we try to always keep that in our conversations. Which is super important. I, I believe that it is. You know, I see the families that are successful are filling their voids in their lives with meaningful, supportive things. I'm not saying that AA is the answer for everybody, but it they certainly have a good message. Mm-hmm. And it helps know? a lot of people. Yes, it does. Yep. It wasn't particularly something that, that I was into, but I mean, I've seen it save so many lives and it does because I think it has that constant, it's keeping you reminded of what my plan should be. It's kind of a I got fellowship. These phone yeah. And, and that's, that's what Chris exactly said what to me. Is, yeah. He said, I, you know, I always, I didn't like AA because they always talked about the bad things. Mm-hmm. He said, but now being where I am in my recovery, I understand that it's those bad things that they remind me about that keep me moving forward. And it's a fellowship of people who really can understand what I go through, where, where my thoughts are. And um, he has a great sponsor. He doesn't go to AA as much as I would like to see him go. But again, it's his recovery. Mm-hmm. It's not mine. But he does keep in contact with his sponsor, which I, I, I value that. And how much uh, clean time does he have? He has, well, what do you view his total clean time? You know, whatever a person okay. says so clean I time hate is. So I hate the clean date. Yes, I and, don't. And I, I'm going to tell you why. I couldn't even tell you mine. It's in April sometime. 95% of Christopher's last five years have been drug and alcohol free. Mm-hmm. Has he had bumps in the road? Yeah, nothing for two and a half years. So I knock on wood with that. But those bumps have been short-lived because there has been a support system around him. Which is awesome, yeah. I think one of my biggest pet peeves with groups like um, AA and NA is the emphasis they put on consecutive abstinence days. Yeah, I, I don't. Days. I don't. And Christopher would say that in the beginning, and I would say, you know, as a mom, 95% of your last five years is drug and alcohol free. That's what I value. Mm-hmm. That's what's important. We don't, you know, penalize diabetics with, you know, dates that their sugar is proper. The last time you had a Snickers. Yeah, or a piece of cake, you know. it's we, we don't do that with any other disease, so I don't believe we should do that with addiction. I think we need to get past some of the stigmas that are attached to that. I never, ever wanted my son to be ashamed of the disease. Don't, don't anybody be no. ashamed of that disease. Addiction is not a choice because there's not one of us in this world that has not made a bad choice at one time or another. It's about the brain, you know, and everybody's brain operates differently. That's why we have so many people who were prescribed into addiction. Mm-hmm. But recovery is a choice. So you, you do have a choice somewhere along there. You can decide that you want to work at a better life. It's hard. It's not easy. It takes a ton of support around you, but it's possible. I see it every day. Well, that journey is different for everybody, though. Yeah, and I think that's something I've always say on on my podcast that I do. I always tell people that everybody is working on themselves and their lives. Whether you use a drug to escape that self, you're doing it some way, shape, or form, and it's a constant introspective experience. This life is, and we're all looking to improve ourselves. Mm-hmm. And you know, as each day goes on. But walk me through, like, walk me through a day at work here at Horizons for you. Like, now, do you deal directly with parents? Yes. Okay. Every day I deal directly with parents. And, you know, it's, every day is different. My, My main focus 
on what I wanted to accomplish was I wanted to help parents navigate the path to treatment and services. Okay. Um, to know that help is out there no matter who you are. It, it does not matter. To help them with insurance barriers. Help them with treatment barriers. Help them understand the various levels of treatment. Help them understand that there is no quick fix for addiction. People don't go into an outpatient or a 28-day program and come back better. Mm-hmm. Treatment programs stabilize people, give them the tools that they need to be able to live a drug and alcohol-free life, but then it's up to them to apply those tools once they need. I don't care how many times somebody walks through the doors of a treatment program. If they're walking through the doors, there's hope, right? Absolutely. There's always hope. Whether it's their first time or their 20th time. Yep. I help families understand MAT, medically assisted treatment. Medically assisted treatment can be very, very beneficial to somebody who struggles with addiction. Especially in the opiate world, yeah. Yeah, and and there's a lot of negativity out there about families share, you know, or people share, don't do methadone, don't do this, don't do Suboxone. Again, it's education. If there is a support system surrounding the individual who understands the pros and the cons of everything, you have a better chance of success. But we don't deprive diabetics of insulin, so why deprive somebody who struggles with addiction from medically assisted treatment to help them? You know, yep. and it's by choice. Just because it doesn't work for one person doesn't mean it won't work for another person. So I, I help families find a comfort in that to know that. You know, your decisions are your decisions. It's okay. Quality of life is more important than no life at all. And then I educate. I want families to understand the disease of addiction. I want them to be able to overcome the barriers and the stigma. So I educate in the schools and the colleges, the universities, doctor's offices, anywhere I can. I train a lot of people in opiate overdose prevention, Okay. both adults, Students, faculty, I did all 1,500 students at Clarence High School. Oh, that's we awesome. We did, yeah. yep. We're doing more and more. It's a more of a condensed version. We don't share everything with them, but we do share the reality of what the opiate epidemic is doing. I had a tough time getting into the schools when I first started, which is part of the reason I created the therapy dog program here. The dogs in treatment are very beneficial. I saw that the first time I walked through the doors of Horizon Village with my dogs. Yeah, how did you get like kicked into that just by bringing your dog around? Well, I've always had therapy dogs. I've always gone into nursing homes and facilities. When Chris was here, I asked, can I bring the dogs in? And Cindy Goss, who is a good friend of mine, she's the one that helped me to find my way here with Christopher. Her and I would go out and do therapy dog visits to a number of organizations. Oh, that's awesome. So when Christopher came here, we brought the dogs here. And walking in the door, I mean, the impact that the dogs had on, you know what it's like when you first get into an intensive program like this. People Mm -hmm. are broken. Yes, they are. You know, there's families aren't talking. There's no dialogue. There's confrontation. There's nobody smiling. And the dogs just broke down all those barriers. Just naturally. Just naturally. I was coming weekly with my dogs while Christopher was here. And then I donated uh, Dakota to Horizon Village. About, I don't know, maybe six months after that, I that's when I approached Dan Constantino and started working for the company. And I had three therapy dogs at the time. 
So I started using my dogs to get into the schools. Were they all golden retrievers? Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm a golden retriever breeder, so they were all golden retrievers. The schools didn't want me to come in to talk about drugs and alcohol, but they liked the therapy dog idea. So I created okay. a therapy dog presentation that talks about the differences between therapy dogs, emotional support dogs, and service dogs, the benefits of them, and then incorporated my personal story into that about the dangers of the prescription drug epidemic. Oh, that's awesome. Yep. It went over really big, and the therapy dog program has grown from three dogs, four dogs, to now we have 10. 10 total. Okay. 10 on yeah, staff. I was going to yep. say, I thought there was a, 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 at least double digits anyway. there's You can't deny the benefits of animal-assisted therapy. No, you, I mean, you just I can't. Just, it's, I've seen it when I was there, staying at Horizon yep. Village, how we are the, the first, dog walks in the room. It's like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's cheerful. We're the cheerful. first treatment provider in Western New York to offer that type of service. Therapy? Yep. In our uh, in our programs. Are there so. more? I've never really actually heard of any other programs that have. The I therapy think there's dogs. some up and coming that are starting because I get a lot of calls that asked, you know, us to share our program guidelines, how we got the program okay. started. You know, I I had a lot of experience with therapy dogs, but it was a totally new experience to have them in treatment. So it was kind of, you know, we had to feel our way around and do our parameters as we got into the program, you know. But I I can say, knock on wood, for the seven years that we've been doing the program, we've really had no issues. With the the dogs, yeah. Yeah. The dogs have been great. The clients have been great out at Horizon Village. They engage in the dog's care, walking. You Which know. is another huge step yep. of just, I say that about the chores that you get. Yeah. You have to do because you are, when you are just coming out of addiction and into recovery, you don't have no idea. Like, what are chores? Yeah. I have to mop and sweep for, do uh, dishes. Yeah. Like, you don't even eat half the time. So yeah. You that's know, and it's funny you, it. you bring that up because I also am able, that's a very hard thing for families to understand the restrictions in inpatient programs. Mm-hmm. You know, why there's no candy, why there's no cigarettes, why, you know, you can't have this coffee. And it's nice to be able to share with families because I had that struggle, too. You know, why are these my kids in there for putting a needle in his arm and you're going to, you know, punish him because he hides co- chocolate under his bed? <laughs> you know, addiction is as much about behaviors as it is about the drug. If you mm-hmm. stop the drug but continue the behaviors... You don't stop the drug. You don't. <laughs> nope. You don't. You really? And that's so hard for families to understand. If the behaviors don't change, you know, even though you might have a little bit of time, and it takes time for behaviors to change, especially with the young adult population. As a parent, we can either be part of that problem or we can be part of the solution. Mm-hmm. And rules and guidelines and all that, they're put in place for a reason. And if we're helping our kids sneak things in because we want them to stay there, right? We want them to stay. We don't want them to leave. We're just reinforcing those bad behaviors that are keeping them handcuffed to a drug. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, I, I was would talk to people all the time while I was staying there about it. It's either because of HIPAA or because there are so many little things that you don't really think about that make a difference when you go get out of this rehab bubble and you're back into yep. quote unquote normal society. And so those rules are important. They are really important. You know, I remember um, 
Chris saying to me, and it wasn't too long ago, for, God, Sean, years, I drove back and forth, back and forth to treatment programs, drove him to all his appointments. I mean, really, as a parent, you put a lot of your life on hold to support somebody in a recovery program. And I learned, you know, to back away from that. But I I did a lot. And I can remember him well into his recovery having that attitude of, you know, I'd ask him to do something and it was this big major chore. (laughs) And not too long ago, it was probably about a year and a half ago, we had some words because I asked him to do something and I got this attitude and I looked at him and I said, really? Really? He went and did it and he came up and he said to me, mom, he goes, I'm really sorry. He goes, I want you to know that addiction, he goes, I think about me. How is it going to benefit me? That's my number one thought. He said, but I want you to know that I really recognize that now and I'm working on it. And I did not mean to be the way I was, but that's a natural, that's an an immediate go-to for Response, me. Response, yeah. yeah. You get so used to it. Yeah. It just, it's habitual, yeah. And I so appreciated that he shared that with me because I thought that was so enlightening for, for him to say, hey, you know, I know this is one of my character defects, but I want you to know that I recognize it and I'm working on it. And he is such, I mean, he's back to the kid that he was when he was younger, but, but he's a man. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a man now. And... Um, he kind of gives back to me what we missed in those years of his active addiction. He's very in tune and attentive to the fact that I like to do things with him. I enjoy his company. And in the same time, starting his own path in, in his life, he graduated from college on the dean's list. He's six months away from his degree in psychology, oh, that's one awesome. more semester. Yeah. And he just got hired for a new job. That's That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. He's, I mean... And I'm so proud of him, you know, mm-hmm. my, and I think you can tell just by looking at me when I talk about him, I beam because I know how hard he has worked to get mm-hmm. to where he is today. But I also understand the disease of addiction very well and know that our cha- our challenges probably in some way, shape or form aren't over. Mm-hmm. You know, he is, he is going to face challenges. How he responds to him is, is what I pray about. Is the most important thing. Yeah. I mean, you said that right off the get-go. Yeah. Is there's going to be challenges. And I think the longer you have in sobriety, the easier it is to have those plans and go right to them. Yeah. And it becomes easier. The stronger you become, the more comfortable you are in your routine. So I look at all those things too, but I never lose sight of the fact of the reality of the disease. That Yeah, it it can be. It can be. I was really... That was one of the biggest things I noticed is like, how does somebody who has like 10 years clean relapse? Relapse. And that was one of the first things I just went into to try to figure out. Even in jail, I noticed it because I was in this section with all, you know, people who were in there for addiction. And I just realized people do, they they lose sight of that plan and they yep. lose sight of what they did and where they've come from. And I believe that with all my heart and soul, that it is that constant plan. You just need... To be proactive instead of reactive, probably your entire life, you know, to know Mm -hmm. that these are the things that can put me at a disadvantage. So acceptance, surrender. Is huge. Yep. Yeah, you have a very powerful story. That's that's for sure to to come in here and what you do. One, One of the big questions that I 
wanted to make sure I ask everybody going through this project is basically, you know, if you had one piece of advice, in your case, one piece of advice you'd give the parents since that's what you do, you work with them and you walk them through step by step through the addiction process and really teaching them. And I mean, you have a very important role when it comes down to it. And it's very awesome what you do. What would you like tell parents what are something you see common when parents come in, a common question or just common advice you end up giving people? Stay connected. You know, one of the last things we do is get support for ourselves. And it's so important because the disease is cunning. You know, you mm-hmm. you see the person you know and love reemerge. And, and you as a parent let your guard down. You want to believe that everything is okay and everything's going to be fine and go back to normal. And I'm not saying that that's an impossibility, but often that's not the case. And again, being proactive instead of reactive gives you power. Mm-hmm. It, it really gives you power. And being able to talk with other people who face the same challenges help you recognize red flags that you may not see. Which you is know, huge. Yes. Yeah. And I know that's hard to accept. As a parent, it's, it's hard for me to accept. But I really believe it. it is so important. And I can tell you I run a parent and family support group that meets three times a month. When does it meet? you got to get meets, the details in. Okay. It meets the first Wednesday of the month in Lancaster. You can find all this on our website, okay. which I hope you'll share. Obviously, this. yep. First Wednesday of the month in Lancaster, second Tuesday of the month on Niagara Falls Boulevard, and then the third Tuesday of the month out at the Horizon Village campus. The first two meetings are table, parents. The third meeting is the meeting that family members go to out at the village. So you engage both residents and families. The, The parents that attend those meetings, a good portion of them have been there for six years. And their loved ones are still actively participating in recovery. Not that it's been perfect, but families stay connected. They're ready. They have a plan. They intervene early. They see red flags. They reach out. I really believe, Sean, in the continuation of care. I think that that is one of the best things that happened to my son. Now, define continuation of care. What is that? Another subjective term. Yeah. It's just maybe seeing a counselor once every three months, staying connected to somebody who can recognize when you are struggling. I think that it's going to be the way of the future. I think it's going to change. I mean, every other chronic relapsing disease, you have a continuation of care program. Mm -hmm. I think it's necessary with addiction in some capacity. We see that family members that stay actively connected to support and services themselves have loved ones that are more likely to stay connected to support and services. Now, it meets once a month. Just once a month, come in, talk about what's going on, talk about what's happening in your family. Get the support that you need to be able to recognize red flags. Listen to your gut, not be afraid to approach something. I know with Chris, I had to learn to, every time I saw him, not to say, you know, are you using? What's going on? <laughs> that Because as a parent, that's initially what you do. Mm-hmm. You're constantly checking. You're constantly looking. And we had to learn to change that dialogue. When he was in supportive living, I would pick him up, and the first five minutes of our visit would be to address all my concerns, and we were done. We didn't talk about it anymore. And that worked for us. You know, now we don't barely talk about it at all, but he gives me no reason to have to start that to conversation. Ask the question. 
But I still talk about it with all the parents at my meetings. I talk about what he's doing, what's going on, what's happening in our lives. Just because if if I'm missing something or if they're sensing that I'm not feeling really good about a situation, they'll bring it to my attention. Yeah, and that's important to have. So I think that's great advice. Absolutely. Early intervention, you know, I think it gives people their best chance at long-term recovery. Not forever, mm-hmm. but long-term recovery. And you have so much power when your kids are young. Power that you lose as they get older. Mm. Yeah, that's that's very true. And my final fun question for the day <laughs> is... Uh, what is a crazy but true fact about you? A crazy but true fact crazy about me. Crazy but true fact. Okay. Well, God, there's a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a huge animal lover. I, I don't know if that's a crazy. Well, yeah, I guess it would well, be you if you knew them. how I'm I many. guess it is, yeah. Well, I have five horses, four dogs, three parrots, a goat, and 15 ducks. You have a goat? I want a goat. Goats make me laugh. You would love my goat. Dixie Doodle, her name oh is. Oh my God. I don't know what it is about goats. They're just the way they look, their noises they make. They, I just laugh at them. They're awesome. Yeah, I just love them. I just, I love animals unconditionally. They're my my safe, my safe area, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I, I wish that I had more time with them, but I'm very busy. Christopher helps out a lot, and I have a young girl that comes in and works with them. But they're, you know, I can go out on my porch in the morning and have my coffee and and just watch them. Yeah, I'm jealous. I want to be out in the middle of nowhere. One of these days, I will be. You will be. All right. Well, one more time name and your position at Horizon Colleen Babcock, Parent and Family Support Coordinator. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much, Colleen. Thank you. Thanks, John. All right. Bye. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to this production. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with Horizon Health, you can call their admissions team at 716-831-1800, or you can get in touch with them by visiting their website at www.horizon-health.org. Thank you, everybody, and stay positive, stay encouraged, and stay strong.